Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, episode 207. Hey, this week we are going to Norway for an interview. It's our first time ever going to Norway, and we are having a magical, if not mystical, conversation with a very unique author that I really enjoyed speaking with. Uh, We are talking to best-selling author Lars Metting, and uh, we're discussing a little bit of his other books and then his upcoming novel, The Sixteen Trees of the Psalm. Uh, The book comes out April 5th, so it's a week after this, uh, or about a week after this episode drops. Uh, but we're we're discussing that and uh, so many other things, like uh, well, talk about mystical. We're we're discussing writing from your subconscious, you know, and that, and that incredible ability that writers have to tap into the subliminal imagery that could be, yeah, it could be that uh, you you gleaned something from a, sh- a TV show or a book or something from years year ago. Or is there something more to it? You never know. Uh, but uh, that was really cool. And, uh, man, I can't wait for you to hear well, his story about trees and then his new book, 16 Trees of the Psalm. Um, and then there's another one as well uh, that kind of goes along with, with this whole subliminal conversation. How we talk about his writing schedule and uh, writing flow. And, of course, how uh, when you reach that point of, of endlessly editing the same thing over and over again, that uh, that could be leading to you being done. Uh, there's so much that we are discussing in this conversation. And like I said, Lars is just, he is fantastic to talk to. I could sit down and listen to this guy. If he ever did a, con- a convention, I would love to sit in on that. Uh, it, w- it was it was really fantastic. And, you know, and, and maybe, who knows, because I'm American, part of it could be his, his accent and uh, the way he speaks, which is funny because... He believes, when he does his reading a little bit later on, which is absolutely fantastic, uh, it's a very dramatic and a wonderful reading, but he believes that his English uh, doesn't do the story justice, but oh my gosh, I'm, I, I am totally sucked in by the story, and I think, I think his, his English uh, adds a lot of gravity to it myself. It's, it's a fantastic reading. It's a short one. And uh, oh my gosh, I I wish, I wish I could have added the discussion we had after his reading because uh, we had another little uh, conversation about his uh, about his book, but uh, there was a few spoilers and such that uh, I don't think would have been uh, <laughs> would have been good for this. But yeah, it, he's a fascinating guest, and I cannot wait to get you over to that conversation. So that's coming up here in just a few moments. Well, uh, as for me, I'm doing really well. Bandit 2 had a huge jump this weekend. Uh, Got a lot of words written again this past week and over the weekend. Had a really great session uh, Sunday, especially. For some reason, Sunday has been really, really kind to me lately. Sat down for a couple of hours, and uh, I did discover that I had been writing for a few chapters and have had nothing exciting happening. (laughs) So... I had to go back and kind of, I found a place where, okay, uh, this is a conversation that really doesn't have to be there. I need to add something exciting. So I had to add a 
a little bit of a chase scene and a fight for Bandit, something to uh, deal with. And, uh, you know, that was actually kind of fun because it was a a, a chase through a mall, uh, through the ceiling, and uh, jumping off of, you know, some of the levels and across the food court and into old abandoned stores, you know, because this takes place in the 80s in a post-apocalyptic world. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun to write that scene. Uh, but that, that went really well, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trucking along really good with that. Uh, again, I've got the cover art. We actually got an updated version of the cover art. Uh, had asked for a couple of tweaks, and man, the cover artist, uh, his name is Warren Design. And uh, I will I will add his uh, add a link to his site in the show notes if you want to go check out some of his work. But yeah, he did a uh, he did some tweaks to the uh, the book cover, and I just absolutely adore it. It is fantastic. So. Now, if you want to see the book cover, I think what I'm going to do is print off a little version of it, <clears throat> a small version of it, to put on my table this weekend at Reader's World. As I've been mentioning in past episodes, I will be at Reader's World this weekend, uh, Saturday the 2nd, April 2nd, from 11 to 1. I have the official time for that now. And if you've been following me on social media, uh, or the show on social media, then you can see where I've been sharing some of that information now that we got the pamphlets and flyers and everything are up now. And a bunch of the other authors that are going to be there, all of them uh, friends of mine with the writing group that I'm a part of. Uh, so really looking forward to that. And yeah, if you want to see the cover art exclusively uh, for uh, book two, I'll have that. I think I'm going to print one off and have that sitting on my table of uh, for the book that's uh, coming soon. I'll, I'll put a link there for... Reader's World Sedalia, uh, which is where we'll be, and uh, yeah, I hope to see you there. Uh, real quick, I do want to thank my friends at Back in Time Podcast. Uh, the episode actually uh, that I was a guest on actually didn't drop until Friday due to some technical difficulties, which, you know, that happens. It's 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 happened here a couple of times where an episode has been delayed, but I, I had such a good time talking to them and uh, the episode was a lot of fun and uh, I did share that episode a few times in social media but I'll I'll see if I can't uh, add a link to the show notes if you want if you're interested in checking it out it, it was a lot of fun and uh, yeah we are we're discussing bandit one and uh, how this show came about and then we uh, dive into our top five favorite Batman movies <laughs> it was it was a really good time and I think you'll like it. If you, uh, if you like old 80s and 90s movies, I think you'll like that show. Uh, well, real quick, I do want to thank our sponsor, uh, Scribner. Uh, you know, Scribner is one of those that, even if they weren't a sponsor of the show, I would, be, I would still be using their product because I just, I just absolutely adore it. It, it, is, it is fantastic writing software. And I mean, I mean, the example I gave before about having to add a, uh, add a scene of action, there was nothing to it. I just go in there and plop down a new section into the chapter I wanted it to go. Parts of what I had in there I liked, so I just moved that to another section. And easy peasy, man. <laughs> it was fantastic. Hey, check out this advertisement for Scrivener Writing Software and hear how you can save 20%. On the regular desktop version. Jason here. 
Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, yes, again, thank you to Scrivener. And I also want to thank my friends over at Writer's Block Coffee for being an affiliate of the show. And uh, thank you to all of you out there. I've had, uh, I've had a few orders here lately that have been coming in on a regular basis and so people are trying out the coffee and and i know you're going to enjoy it uh, they have three different flavors there is the uh, my personal favorite the whiskey barrel aged blend the deadline dark which is the strong brew that's going to keep you up late at night if you're you know when you're burning the candle at both ends and the writer's block signature blend uh, try one try them all uh, order one or set up automatic shipping so that uh, you never run out. And as I've mentioned before, you want to you definitely want to go in there and uh, check out their spoon clip because uh, I just I love the length of it. It reaches down into the bag and uh, and grabs a, a spoonful for you instead of those little bitty spoons that you get at the store. So <laughs> Plus the clip is uh, very handy as well. It closes up your coffee. Hey, uh, check that link in the show notes to uh, for more information about Writer's Block Coffee. And don't forget to hit, enter that code, Sample Chapter, to save 10% on your order. I want to thank my friends over at Pop Goes the Culture Network, home to around 10 different shows, all of them fun, all of them pop culture related. So whether you're looking for celebrity news, uh, gossip, whatever, you know, as, as if there's, I, I don't know, is there anything in celebrity news of interest lately i don't know i mean there was the oscars the other night and but i, I from what i understand that's usually pretty boring so <laughs> oh well hey guys so click the click the link in the show notes for pop goes the culture network and all of the shows over there including ours and uh yeah you're gonna find something there that you're gonna like really well all right, everyone. So without further ado, it's time to get over to our wonderful guest all the way from Norway, Lars Mating. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast. And oh my goodness, I, you know, my favorite word, I think, in the dictionary is excited. And Today, I'm really excited because I have a first for the show, which is an author from Norway. My guest today is Lars Matting. Uh, he is one of Norway's best-selling writers, is the author of Bell in the Lake, an indie next pick, and Norwegian Wood. Uh, his books have sold more than 2 million copies in 20 languages. His most recent novel, coming soon, The 16 Trees of the Psalm, was awarded the Norwegian Booksellers Prize and was longlisted for the Dublin Literary Prize. He still lives with his wife and two daughters and their three forest cats in 
Elverum, a small town in the Forest District of Norway. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Lars Mating. Hello, hello, thank you. <laughs> How did I do with the name? Did I get that? Or Yes, you did. Pretty good. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to join you. Well, let me, let's start with uh, how are you doing and, and how uh, how's life been for you lately? Pretty good, actually. We had a quite mild winter, so uh, no problems there. But, uh, you know, the recent events in uh, Ukraine, we are a neighbor country of, <laughs> of Russia. So obviously that uh, scared us a great deal. So yeah. uh, th that was perhaps the biggest uh, change in our lives <laughs> to actually have such a dramatic event so close to us but uh, apart from that i'm doing uh, doing well i i like to simply spend uh, a full week writing and have a weekend off and uh, well try to focus as much of my life as possible towards uh, towards writing quite simply if oh. i cannot yeah if i cannot do it i uh, i turn grumpy and impossible to live with <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm fortunate in that i have i have so many other outputs right now between the show and a few other things and then my work that if i don't get to write i get a little frustrated but i'm able to put some uh, some creative input into you know like i said editing the show and doing that and then a few other endeavors but uh, the last few months, I've had a lot going on in, in my life, and uh, I haven't written as much. I had hoped to have my latest book. Um, I, I was hoping to be editing by now. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm still, I'm, I'm halfway, two-thirds the way through the first draft instead, because I just, it went to like, oh, I was writing once every other week or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it would be nice to uh, be able to have a schedule where I can just Yep, let's just write yeah. and split my day up that way. <laughs> yeah, I usually, uh, I, I would actually, uh, if, if I had been on, on schedule, I would have been uh, editing uh, the third volume of a trilogy that I'm writing, but I'm quite behind as well. <laughs> so <laughs> you just have to, uh, I think each, each book is so so different from the previous one that you simply have to adapt to the flow of the of the story itself and that, that's one of the main lessons that i learned through writing i think that each story uh, requires a, a different mode of work to be um, well to say to to f fulfill its pre its premise and they are all different depending on what you write about so it's really hard to predict exactly when <laughs> when something is uh, well at least when something will be finished i know when you sit there writing it you will know by yourself when it's done or not but uh, right. a few months ahead i can be extremely frustrated and <laughs> have no clue on how much work there is left <laughs> that's very true that's very true and and that's correct i had my first novel it was more of a passion project something i'd been thinking about for gosh 20 years off and on before i finally was like yeah this is the one i want to write and so i worked on that my second novel i did not plan it was just a out of the blue thought that i had and it yeah. wouldn't let go 
and I, I wrote that in just a couple of months and I'd never done that before or since. Um, and, and it just, it's, it's strange. It's very interesting how the stories, like you said, they, they all have their own methods of telling the story to us and coming out onto the page. Yeah. And there, there are may, maybe some chapters that come just during a, one day of writing and they will be almost uh, complete and, uh, and, and, and ready. Uh, perhaps they will need some rework and, and polishing, but uh, say the main quality of it can come during one day. And on the other hand, I have chapters that require endless rewriting and uh, <laughs> that I'm never completely happy with. <laughs> and uh, oh, it, it's, it's, it's so hard to know in advance, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah, I mean... How much time do we spend trying to figure out if this word belongs or not in, yeah. in that paragraph? <laughs> yeah. I learned one, one thing, and that is if I change it during rewriting and I go back the next day and change it back to <laughs> where it was, <laughs> then, uh, then the book uh, is very close to being finished. Yeah. <laughs> when it just gets different, but uh, not necessarily better, but but just different. That that's when I like to like to end the process. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's when it's yeah. time to put it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and also there, there's a there's a certain notion when when I read the end very ending of the book, um, mm. and I uh, somehow if if I uh, if I can read it the last fifty pages of of the draft, and when I come to the very ending. If I get shivers on my back, then I'm uh, then I know that that it's uh, that it's ready. But if I don't get it, I just uh, give it uh, more months of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you alluded to it a while ago about the uh, the trilogy that you're working on, and I'm I'm guessing this is the Bell in the Lake. Mm. Yeah, that, that's right. That yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, what can you tell us about that? About the Bell in the Lake. Well, yeah, it's yeah, this, uh, the series. Well, it's uh, it's quite different from uh, the, the book that we're supposed to talk about, <laughs> but it's it's a historical trilogy that takes place in Norway. Uh, the first book uh, is uh, takes place in 1880, uh, and uh, the second volume, which is called uh, the Reindeer Hunters, uh, goes on between 1903 and 1919. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the final volume will uh, take place some years later, but it's a uh, it's based on an old uh, legend in Norway about uh, two church bells that were uh, uh, separated from each other, and uh, on that framework, I've built a uh, I, I like to call it a old school epic story and a family story uh, that spans uh, three generations where uh, the bells are well they are part a active physical um, element in in the story but also on the symbolical level they uh, play a, a, just as much an important role mm -hmm. but it's a large work and uh, it's it will uh, be close to 1,500 pages, uh, the whole story when it's finished with the, on, uh, if you count all three volumes together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and, and I've, I've seen where a lot of your your work is. Uh, it seems to be very involved in um, your your home country, the the folklore and the legends, and uh, even your your other book about the uh, the trees and taking care of trees is very much about your home. Uh, yeah. it's, this seems very important to you. Um, t- talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I like to at least start the books in a, uh, say, a fictional landscape uh, that, it's, that is quite similar to the place where I grew up. But uh, I changed it quite a lot. Uh, and uh, But in my mind, it's... Uh, it's the place where I grew up uh, some uh, 30 years ago. Um, but that's just a starting point for uh, most of the novels because I like to uh, have a international element in all the books. In uh, The 16 Trees of the Somme, we, uh, we travel between three countries, uh, Norway and to Shetland and also to France. Uh, and also for other novels, I've uh, I've done that. Uh, either made people come from um, as, as foreigners, or that we have the locals uh, going abroad. Uh, I, I think that's quite uh, crucial to uh, both the dramatic side of of the novel, but but also to the um, human mentality itself, mm-hmm. the, the desire to see what is on the other side of the valley <laughs> is uh, is extremely strong and it's uh, it's always been strong uh, at home uh, a lot of people even if we've lived in a quite uh, a, a valley which is uh, well quite secluded <laughs> if that's the right word uh, yeah. secluded yeah secluded, yeah yes. yeah even if we lived in a valley that is quite secluded we always enjoyed stories uh, of those people who went out and uh, saw the world and came back to to tell about it that has been a major uh, focal point for for the oral storytelling tradition at home Uh, and i think that is deeply rooted in storytelling itself if mm-hmm. even if we go back to the old myths and legends we always see this uh, see the the hero going and leaving the safe place and going out in the world and endure dangers mm-hmm. and come back <laughs> so i like to connect to uh, to that uh, i'm not sure if i should call it a tradition but i like to connect to that uh, certain level of suspense that I think is uh, in all humans. What happens if I leave the safe and go out into the unknown? And uh, that is, of course, a, uh, a uh, important part of the 16 trees of the sum, where uh, the main character lives in well, almost total isolation on a farm and has very little knowledge on uh, both the outside world, but most of all, how to how he should behave and how the manners are and what is expected from him in another country and by other, by other people. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I really like that. That's, 
living here in Missouri, uh, we have the, the Ozarks and there's a rich history of, of uh, urban legends and mysteries and stories and they've always fascinated me and I, I, I love exploring those and uh, even as a kid I've, I've always been enthralled by like yeah even the things like Bigfoot or, or Loch Ness the, yeah, the monsters yeah. and so I, I just I love experiencing that and looking into it and it really I, I feel like it, it really informs some of my own writing and and I, I find that intriguing whenever I'm talking to authors like yourself who seem to have that same experience where it's, it's the mythology is enriching your writing yeah uh, how do you how do you go about tapping into that and bringing it to life or, or... well w one one thing that that uh, i really enjoy about the say the, the the kind of stories that you mentioned there like like uh, uh like the ur urban legends and uh, like like bigfoot <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one thing about it is that they think big they yeah. make something really grand it's not just a small tiny story about something uh, that is uh, well puzzling but it's uh, and <laughs> completely uh, mind blowing that uh, s some of these and they they challenge the uh, border between what is credible and and what is not mm -hmm. uh, so some of the old oral narratives are so extraordinary that they they challenge you to believe that or the challenge you could this possibly happen or could it not but they are very very close to to that uh, that limit of being uh, credible or not and uh, and that has always fascinated me uh, and i think there's a lesson to learn from that uh, in our own storytelling as well uh, that sometimes i enjoy to focus on the smaller details and the connection between two characters and the dialogue but on the other hand i also enjoy to throw them into something that is truly spectacular <laughs> and something <laughs> yeah. that is so <laughs> so uh, well it's not over the top but it should be very very close to to the top <laughs> uh, and i think that is uh, that is part of uh, how we enjoyed telling stories to each other, uh, leaving you in that very intermediate uh, <laughs> terrain between uh, what is possible and not. I, I like to, I like to be in that uh, no man's land. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it seems like uh, something that you did to help bring about some more of that believability is to make it personal with a family mystery so that mm. you're you're following both uh do you think uh do you think that that lifted it and raised it where that you have the fantastical but then the family uh, yeah mystery that you're uh, trying to solve uh, like in 16 trees um, yeah absolutely it's uh, you know when when you when you read the first part of uh, 16 trees it's very very down to earth uh, uh, or should i say it's uh, well i i think when you look at the first pages of uh, the 16 trees of the psalm you meet a young person who is really engulfed in a mystery 
in a mystery uh, about what happened to his own parents uh, that they died when he was three years old under very unclear circumstances uh, and one of the things that i like ab about uh, say the, the the general mood of the opening uh, chapters is that he never knew his parents and he has this extreme desire to know if he is uh, mourning them and if he is missing them in uh, say a, a correct way <laughs> because mm. he he doesn't even have the knowledge on uh, how to uh, on how to miss someone and uh, so you sort of double up the uh, the loss of them both you 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 miss the person your mother and your father and you are even so desperate that that you don't know if you are missing them in say the the, the correct way and and that is uh, sort of the, the driving force for him to uh, to uh, un to solve the mystery about what what happened to them, which of course unfolds into a great dramatic and epic terrain. Now, but at at the very heart of it, I think it's this extraordinary force in him to uh, that he knows that he will never learn to know them, but he will try to learn if he is uh, missing them uh, as a son should miss their parents and one of the best lines I think in it is that uh, he tells himself when he sets out on the journey to, to find out the truth is that he wants to be someone that the dead one can trust <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> uh, someone that the uh, that his uh, deceased mother and father would be proud of seeing um, investigating the, the mystery of, of their death so he sort of visualizes them as the the judges on how he um, on how he uh, takes on the journey to 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 find out what happened to them uh, but he's a quite complex uh, he it's it's a quite complex journey to to uh, to uh, to start on because perhaps the truth is uh, bitterly uh, uh, un unpleasant is the word yeah. yeah but yeah but the uh, the the problem is of course that when you uh, when you go deeply into the past you may find out things that are so unpleasant that you uh, rather wouldn't know about them <laughs> and that is the that's the challenge for him he he discovers things that he uh, rather wouldn't know about so perhaps the, the knowing the full truth is perhaps not uh, not desirable at, at all <laughs> yeah wow. but the that is obviously the uh, say the uh, the em emotional driving forces of it, and but at, at the very heart of the novel is a quite classic uh, mystery. I would call it a uh, perhaps a mystery novel without a murder, <laughs> because he uh, he uh, w when he sets out for, for the journey. It 
it, I mean, it's it's been described as you know, utterly compelling, beautiful, evocative, and completely unforgettable. And uh, yeah, the 16 Trees of Psalm, it sounds amazing. I cannot wait. It, it's going into my to-be-read file like right away. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, it comes out April 5th. So I believe that's going to be a week after this episode airs. So you have you got time to go pre-order it right now. Uh, Lars, what is, what is something that, uh, in your writing with the books that you've written and, and what you like to write, is there anything that has surprised you along the way? Yes. One thing that's really strange is that, uh, when you uh, write about, uh, say, if you write about, uh, if you write a historical novel, or elements from uh, things that you imagined had happened in in the past. Mm. Uh, what always surprises me is that uh, when I go go to a place that I've been that I've been writing about and I haven't been there before, uh, but when I come there with the draft and the basics of the story, I nearly always discover something that is eerily close to my own imagination that actually <laughs> happened. Uh, when I wrote the 16 trees of the Somme, I, I just um, imagined that there would be 16 walnut trees on a battlefield that had survived the shelling from the enemy and that 16 trees were still standing there. Uh, when I actually went to France to see the battlefields, I found a um, old English uh, map that was used by the uh, by the infantry that uh, that um, was on the front line, mm -hmm. and they had marked up not walnut trees, but they had marked up a line of apple trees, <laughs> just <laughs> five minutes away from where I had imagined the, uh, the the battlefield with the 16 trees. And you might think that, okay, is that's not so unusual, is it, to have a, uh, trees mentioned on a war map? But <laughs> in the First World War, it really was, because the, the battlefields were so shelled and so damaged that nothing was left there. It was just um, destructed into, into mud. Yeah. So whatever was left as landmarks on the battlefield, they, that was, they were noted on the maps. And one of those things that, that survived were a line of apple trees. And yeah, and I, I've uh, several times, uh, also when I wrote the, the parts uh, that takes place in Shetland, I had a basic idea of what I... Uh, what I would find, uh, or no, sorry, I, I had a basic idea that I that I um, put, put into the story. But when I came to the actual place, I noted that both the landscape and uh, also the uh, the mood uh, of people and the uh, terrain and the weather was extremely close to what I had imagined, even though I hadn't been there before. Yeah. Uh, so it's strange, really. It may be that it, it may be that some of the elements in a novel b belong to uh, such deep 
parts of the memory, <laughs> perhaps things that you have seen or read perhaps 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. and, and that you believe you have, uh, have forgotten. <laughs> yeah. But they actually show up during writing. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you mistake it for being your own ID, <laughs> even if you it was something perhaps that you saw on a television show as a right. as a child or a or a book that you read when you were twenty years old. At the age of fifty, perhaps that same de- detail evolves into something beautiful. And yeah. when you go back to the place, or you go to the place where you describe that it happened, you reconnect with with that memory. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I, I deeply believe that uh, the um, uh, that when writing, you should let the mind wander and also let the subconsciousness work. Uh, I believe that uh, if you write every day on a story, when you when you sleep, your subconsciousness will help you to uh, to to dig deeper into the story so when you yeah. go back to the the writing desk some of it will be uh, either solved or improved <laughs> dur- <laughs> during night by your own subconsciousness right yeah or yeah, yeah. the problem that you're trying to figure out all of a sudden comes to you like it, it that yeah. ap- I, I love that um it, it's 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 a magic that yeah it is I, I can only think of that comes about with uh, with writing and it's, yeah. yeah, it's like you said, it's a subconscious thing. And it's when you are deep in the writing and in the story and you're letting, allowing the story to talk to you and tell you mm. what it needs. I think that's when it's accessing those subliminal memories or, or even imagination, a, a magical uh, part of us that can connect with that otherworldly part and then bring out what it needs. And then when you step away and you're trying to figure something out and like, I'm driving last night and I realized I'm not really focused on the road. I'm thinking in my head about my story. And then all of a sudden, like something clicks. Like, oh, that's what I want to do. That's, yeah. that's the thing I want. And exactly. then it's like, now I've got it. So then today, later on, I can go back in there and fix yeah. what I wanted to say. And it's, it's a remarkable thing. And my wife, thankfully has gotten used to me <laughs> sitting in my chair and, and kind of tapping my head and going, sounding some things out and she knows i'm not talking to her like no 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 the characters are talking to me hang on just just a minute and she's <laughs> so. yeah well it, it's it's a beautiful thing really and uh, i i think to me at least it only happens when i uh, write uh, day after day but you don't have to put a full day of writing to um, to make the subconsciousness work i think even if you just write uh, if you have a if you have a day job that uh, that you need to at um, then if you just write one hour or two hours in the morning still i think uh, and and do it every day still i think you get the subconsciousness working for you mm-hmm. mm. i agree i agree yeah so th- so that's w- when 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 P- I, i'm lucky enough to uh, be able to write full full time uh but when I, but earlier on when I when I had a day job, I tried to write one or two hours each morning, no matter what happened, mm-hmm. and uh, that rhythm is uh, almost just as good as uh, <laughs> getting a, but getting a to write full time. But uh, 
but again you need i think you need to do it every every day yeah yeah i agree mm -hmm. oh my gosh lars this has been this has been magical getting to <laughs> sit down with you and and discuss something that is very dear to your heart and 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 mine as well and i think it's going to be i think a lot of listeners are going to be I will able to identify a lot of, I know a lot of authors do listen to the show and I think they're going to be going, yes, yes. Lars has it. He knows what he's talking about. So, <laughs> so, so, that, so. <laughs> that just means people that uh, you need to follow the links in the show notes and pick up 16 trees of the Psalm coming out April 5th. Uh, that is uh, it's, it's available right now for pre-order. So go and uh, grab a copy of it. Lars, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, where could people find and follow you? Sadly, I'm uh, not very good in the digital domain. I have a website that hasn't been uh, uh, <laughs> that hasn't had some news since I'd say the 1980s. <laughs> but it's uh, uh, there are on online uh, there are a number of uh, interviews and uh, reviews of of all my books. Uh, I think simply that's the best part to best way to uh, start with this excellent uh, podcast and uh, oh. <laughs> gradually try to, uh, to to look at what other people has, has uh, written about my books uh, i have a, i have a website but that hasn't been uh, been maintained for ages but uh, <laughs> you get a basic idea of uh, of my books and my writing there yeah 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 and and everybody it's a it's a very unique website. It, it's in Norwegian. Uh, so unless you read Norwegian, then you're not going to know that unless you click the English button and then there's a page on there. Uh, but there are some uh, social media links as well so that uh, people can follow you on a few of those. And, and like I said, I'll have those links in the, uh, in the show notes as well. So everybody will know where to uh, go and, and find and follow you. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> wonderful. All right. Thank Great. you once again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, time to meet, for me to uh, step aside then with my Writer's Block Coffee and uh, listen to our guest, Lars Metting, with the 16 trees of the song. I'll read from the opening chapter, which is called uh, Like Ashes in the Wind. For me, my mother was a scent. She was a warmth, a leg I clung to, a breath of something blue. A dress I remember her wearing. She fired me into the world with a bowstring, I told myself. And when I shaped my memories of her, I didn't know if they were true. I simply created her as I thought a son should remember his mother. My mother was the one I thought of when I tested the loss inside me. Seldom dad. Sometimes I asked myself if it would have been like all the other fathers in the district. Men in their home guard uniforms, in football trainers at old boys practice, getting up early on the weekends to volunteer at our local association of hunters and anglers. But I let him fade away without regret. I accepted it, for many years at least, as a proof that my grandfather had tried his best to do everything my dad would have done, and that he had, in fact, succeeded. My grandfather used the broken tip of a Russian bayonet as a knife. It had a flame birch handle, and that was the only real carpentering that he had ever done. 
The top edge of the blade was dull, and he used that to scrape off rust and to bend steel wire. He kept the other side sharp enough to slice open heavy sacks of agricultural lime. A quick thrust and the bright granules would trickle out of their own accord, ready for me to spread across the fields. The sharp and the dull edges converged into a dagger-like point, and with that he would dispatch the fish that we caught on Lake Saxum. He would remove the hook of the powerful trout flapped about, furious to be drowning in the air. Place them over the gunwale, force the tip of the blade through their skulls, and boast about how broad they were. It was always then that he would raise the oars to watch the thick blood trickle down the steel blade, while thin drops of water ran down the oars. The drops flowed into each other, the trout bled out, and became our fish from our lake. There you go. That was Lars Mating reading a sample from his new book, The 16 Trees of the Psalm. Uh, the book comes out April 5th, so just a few more days away. You can go in and pre-order it right now by clicking the link in the show notes. And just real quick, I told you, right? I told you that that reading was dramatic and amazing. Definitely leaves you wanting more, right? Hit that link in the show notes to get a copy for yourself. And don't forget to follow Lars everywhere that he's available. Uh, You also want to click the link in the show notes for our podcast friends, uh, sponsors, and affiliate alike. And hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next week when I'm back with a fantastic new guest, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, my friends. (laughs) 